There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And, and we're back. We're back. With the third part. The third part, episode 34, Vaccines Part 3, The Rise of Autoimmune Diseases. Yes, and if you're watching, listening to these later than coming out succinctly in order, then you can binge listen to these like we do when we watch TV. Yes, yes. We don't start when the series comes out. We wait till there's a bunch of them, <laughs> then we binge watch So you them. can binge watch all these vaccinations, yes. Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. You can start so, a whole new tide of binge podcasting <laughs> out there. So gather your children together, your family, your friends, your grandparents, gather them all around there. Go get them here. Listen to this podcast because today we're going to tell you how autoimmune diseases are caused by vaccination. Yes, I'm going to start off with a study that was done that showed by the time the eighth injection was given to test animals, they all developed an autoimmune disease. Mm. The forbidden secret is this. It's that we now have a smoking gun pointing directly at the massive number of vaccinations that are routinely given to children. In the first of these vaccine trilogy, Vaccines Part 1, Why Are Children Dying?, we get into... Now, the concept of T-cell, B-cell immunity, cell-mediated immunity, uh, humoral immunity. And if you're just by some chance listening to this before you listen to part one and two, you might want to go listen to those first, because in that first one, I talk about the study that was done in Kobe, Japan. And this is something, and I know I often say this, but it should be on the front page of every paper, coast to coast in America. There was this study that was done. The the study documented that given enough vaccine injections, everybody will develop an autoimmune disorder because they found that the immune systems of all these autoimmune disease-resistant mice um, literally became deranged by the time they're given the eighth injection of just antigens alone. Now, an antigen is something antigen against creation against against life for that matter Gen- genesis in yeah. the sense of genesis the root word for the for the biblical term genesis so anti-life right. antigen an antigen is anything that causes a response in the body and it, it usually is a protein but it doesn't have to be that causes a response in the immune system you breathe in dust you get uh, an infection the material that's inside of a vaccine disease you pick up from somebody else that might be sick, so you're around somebody with the flu or kids are around somebody with the measles, whatever, those things that get inside of our bodies are called antigens. A pathogen. Well, they can cause a pathology. An antigen mm-hmm. can cause a pathology. An antigen can come in stealth and sit around for many, many years before there's a problem, like the simian virus 40 that, that was in got. the early... <laughs> 
It was in the early polio vaccines yep. that now they link to cancer, especially the lining of the lung, the brain, the kidney, the liver. Mm. And you've kind of fought lung problems for a long time. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I have until you got me cleaning up the gut. When you yeah, got me doing gaps. Yeah, but I mean, when you ha- if you have a weak part in you, now I know, you know, you've talked a lot for 20 years on the radio and everything, but when you have a weak part in you, it's your lungs. That's interesting. I think you're right. Because you did get that. Yeah. Probably. Well, this study was done on mice, and by the time they gave these mice the eighth injection of these antigens, these bugs, they developed an autoimmune disease. And if you combine that with the massive increase in autoimmune disorders in human beings over just the last two decades, I mean, 60, 70 years ago, uh, scientists would laugh at you at the thought that the body could possibly attack itself. Well, they, they laughed Dr. Lee out yes, of the medical community. back in the 40s when he suggested it. Yeah. And now, the last two decades, this is the number one area of medical research is autoimmune diseases. And they completely denied it was even there. And it wasn't even there. And, I mean, a little bit. Dr. Lee talked about it, but nobody had heard of it. And now everybody knows somebody, you know, a kid with an autoimmune disease, his own body, attacking his own body. I mean, this is what we're supposed to do when we go back to the dust. And this was unheard of (laughs) when I was a child in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Unheard too. of. In the 60s. I mean, and so you, you, you got to scratch your head, bang your head against the wall, something. I mean, what is needed to demonstrate that routinely injecting people is not an acceptable way to engender a real effective immunity? I mean, it's, it's even the, the short-term immunity some people actually pick up from a vaccine is it's far from the quality of a naturally occurring immunity. At what cost? At what cost? And so, you know, I mean, for, for this limited protection that some of these do provide, you can now see that there is a virtually 100% surety that nearly everyone that get these vaccines is going to suffer from some chronic disease, such as diabetes. I mean, look at this explosion of diabetes type 1. Yeah. Multiple sclerosis, lupus, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, the allergies, autism, and now even new diseases. There's a new one I just was reading about called macrophagic myofasciitis. Wow. Now, the macrophages are the Pac-Mans in the bloodstream, the, the, the things that are going around eating up all the bad things. And myofasciitis is an irritation of the fascial lining that lines muscles. Uh, there's a connection there with fibrocystic disease and fibromyalgia, and now they're calling it macrophagic myofasciitis. In other words, your body is attacking the fascial lining of the muscle body itself. My I mean, goodness. this is insane. Well, this well, study. They, they also are talking about the silent epidemic in Utah, and it's rheumatoid arthritis yes. on little kids. That yeah. that's an oh, autoimmune kids. on kids. kids. Their oh. bodies are attacking. The cartilage in their joints. Yeah, it says this is a kid disease. They're talking. I mean, the, the, the study in question. I, I gave you the title here a second ago: "Self-Organized Criticality Theory of Autoimmunity," and what they found was that just the overstimulation of a particular type of T cell, and as I said, in I think it's podcast thirty-two, we get into T cell and B cell oh, differences yeah, yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. T cells are just a part of the immune system born elsewhere, but trained in the thymus, which is why we call them T-cells. 
And they're the, one of the first lines of resistance for an infection. And so what they found in this study is that when they overstimulated the bodies of these mice to produce T cells, there were antibodies that started attacking the mice, not invaders, from the antigen itself, because the antigen was as weak as the antigen that's in the vaccine. You have to, the antigen that's in the vaccine is the virus, the measles virus, the hepatitis B virus, um, whatever. But what they found out was that the, the, body, the bodies of these mice started attacking themselves rather than the antigen. So they left the, anti- the virus that was put into them alone? Yeah, and their bodies went after various organs. How long? How many vaccinations? Eight. After eight vaccinations? Eight injections. Now. Oh. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> because in the Uh-oh. last podcast, 33, we oh, talk yeah. about not just what's in the vaccines, but we gave a handout of the schedule. And so I think one thing... They'll get that, over 100 vaccinations before they're six years old. One point that needs to be remembered here is that this research used the same antigen over and over again. They didn't use different ones. They used the same antigen over and over eight times until the body started attacking itself instead of the antigen, which could, I think, this is where the relationship to what we're talking about here, vaccinations and autoimmunity, this is where this comes in, because this current proclivity that exists in the medical world in the United States now to give the same vaccines over and over because of their inadequacy right. boosters to produce adequate antibodies, they have to keep getting boosters. And so the, the DTAP, the diphtheria tetanus pertussis vaccine, is scheduled to be given five times by the age of six. That's three different antigens five times over. Wow. That alone could easily explain, I think, the massive increase in autoimmune disease. But then you add the other things you're getting, the haemophilus influenza, the pneumococcal and poliovirus vaccines. Each of those are given four times. Rotavirus hepatitis B is given three times. And the meningococcal MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, varicella, and hepatitis A are given twice, and all of these are given by the age of six. This is a tremendous burden on these children's developing immune systems, and all that, that's not even counting all the adjuvants. Yeah, that doesn't even count the mercury, the Uh aluminum, the formaldehyde, all the ones you listed and went over in the last vaccinations um, podcast where you listed the horrible thing they put in them, and then what it does to the body. This is just the antigen. This is just the viruses put into these mice. Right, right. So they put at least eight. By the time they got their eighth, sh- eighth shot, without all these other chemicals, these poison chemicals. Just the dead and just almost Just the dead, dead or attenuated, attenuated virus. virus. On the eighth shot, they developed an autoimmune disease. Now, how do you know that? Because you do blood work, you examine the organ on autopsy, you find out that their own immune system started attacking these organs. Autoimmunity. So today's podcast is dedicated to just the viruses. Yes. <laughs> and just imagine, if parents go along with the CDC's recommendation, their child will get six flu vaccines. 
each with three different antigens, uh, influenza A, influenza B, and then whatever the hodgepodge is they pick out of the lottery basket that year. That are 10 mutations behind. 10 mutations behind before their seventh birthday. Yeah. So I mentioned here a I, moment ago. I, You know what? I just took a picture of a billboard that says, stay healthy, get your flu shot. Yeah, we just came back from a conference in Denver. Yeah. And it was right there downtown, big, standard size billboard. Yeah. Stay healthy, get your flu shot. Yeah. So this is the smoking gun I propose here that's tying vaccines to this massive upsurge in these life-destroying chronic autoimmune diseases. And so I just have some questions, and then we can move on with the rest of what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Number one, why do our public health agencies insist on pressing all these vaccines? Why are there no studies to determine the effects of the full schedule of vaccines? And why are we getting to the points where, where we're losing our right? We're getting to the point where we're, we are losing our right to refuse. Yeah, we are. There, there are several mandatory max vaccination bills all across this there country. There was over a right hundred. The um, video we're going to play at the end. Yeah, the we'll audio. talk about that here. Good. Yeah. That's good. And why do vaccines not have to go through the, the random double blind study to determine their effectiveness like all the other drugs do? Why does a vaccine, when it's ready for market, gets to go into the marketplace? Well, I think it ties into why we have a whole bunch of corrupt congressmen. Well, do you think it might also tie into the fact that you can't sue them? Yeah, that's the biggest You cannot sue for a vaccine. You cannot sue the vaccine maker for vaccine injury today. Yeah. Several laws in Congress have, have thrown that out the window. You know, I think it's obvious that the public health agencies have something other than our health in their mind, in the forefront of their deliberations. I mean, they're not all stupid. And I think it's equally obvious that with the revolving door between the agency employees of big pharma, agribusiness, and the FDA, because they, they, they keep playing hopscotch. Yeah. You know, one year they're, they're in charge of a massive agribusiness research program. Uh, the next year they're in research inside of the CDC. The next year, they're working for some pharmaceutical company, and they just keep bouncing around between these. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I shouldn't diss on the congressman because I think they really believe this. I think that, you know, when they say, hey, they can't keep suing us or we're not going to make vaccines anymore. I mean, I understand the congressman or woman, congresswoman, is thinking, yeah. well, these vaccines are great. There's no risk why, to why them. Why does the congressman sit there and ask him, well, then why are these people suing you? <laughs> why do they keep suing you? <laughs> Maybe that's the question that we should be asking here. Why do they keep suing you? And then it, it's part of the modern day healthcare propaganda that has been pushing vaccines ever since they first started showing up and to actually question the relevancy, the efficacy of vaccines today, as I've said before, is like questioning the theory of gravity yeah, or the fact that the earth is round and not flat. So the average person on the street, if you were to ask them, do you think vaccines are a good idea? I bet nine out of 10 yeah. are going to oh, say yes so. because yeah. they don't know the science. They don't know the history. Yeah. You know, it's like that thing that was done here not too long ago down in uh, San Diego mm-hmm. where uh, this fellow had a 10-ounce silver bar and he had a Snickers candy bar. 
and he was going up to people. It's on a video. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. People were walking up to him, and he said, you can have either one of these, a 10-ounce silver bar or a Snickers bar. Overwhelmingly, they had no idea what a 10-ounce bar of silver was. It was about 150 bucks. They would take the they would take the candy bar. And your point is? <laughs> Those are the people who are making our policies. Oh. <laughs> Those are the people who are making our policies for not just vaccine regulation, but a lot of other things involved in public health that just leave me <laughs> about to go berserk. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about the autoimmunity. I think we've talked about these this in other podcasts. But we need to explain the connection with vaccinations and autoimmunity. And one of the ways that Dr. Royal Lee, who our product is named after, the long-life energy enzymes, explained autoimmune diseases was, of course, when your body attacks itself. But the way he explained it is, let's say you have an organ degenerating, and it's degenerating at an excessive rate. In other words, like congestive heart failure or something. And your your lymphs normally clean out these dead and dying cells, but they get overwhelmed, and it seeps into the bloodstream. Now, this can happen for a number of reasons with the brain, but one big obvious reason is the mercury that gets thrown right, just injected right into your baby's tissues, goes right into the bloodstream, and it's the most toxic substance known to man, especially for the brain. And so it starts degenerating. It actually destroys the zonulin proteins that is that is holding the brain-blood barrier together. And these zonulin proteins are like the school marm <laughs> that just won't let anything through. Or if you can think of some other bouncer or some other, you know, example here, but they just won't let anything through. Well, really bad toxins from the gut can destroy these, but also mercury injected right in can destroy these proteins and you know, then it's free for all. You don't know what stage of development your child is in when, bam, something hits them and they don't learn to get that subtle facial recognition or maybe the verbiage in their brain is starting to mature where they learn language. You know, they say you have to learn a language before age four or five because after that you just don't have the flexibility to learn this. I don't know why. They don't know why, but the first few years of life, you have these real incredible uh, milestones you have to cross. So these autistic children don't accomplish these milestones and they get behind. Now they can catch up, but it's hard after age five because there's some real subtle, we don't, we have no idea what goes on in our bodies, especially the brain and the nervous system and all the different ways we learn and mature. So these get into the brain and the lymphs or the cerebral spinal fluid, which is the biggest lymph of the body, cleans this, these toxins out, but it gets overwhelmed and it gets into the bloodstream. And what does the bloodstream do when a toxin gets in there? If it's a protein, you have an allergy. Yeah. If it's a protein, you know, from your brain. The DNA of your brain. Well, if it gets an awful lot of it, it goes to the source of that antigen. Yeah. Well, it creates an autoantibody to it immediately. It's like, what is this doing yeah. in here? Because theoretically, you could start growing a, a brain down in your pancreas or something, you know? So it never lets it happen. If any of your 
DNA structure gets into the bloodstream, you know, it's like, bam, we're making autoantibodies for this. This is not supposed to be in the bloodstream. So then it's got the DNA in it, so it knows where it came from, and so it just starts attacking the brain. So that's one way. Dr. McBride talks about different ways we get autoimmunity from all the toxins coming into our autoimmune diseases. But that's the way Dr. Lee talked about the autoimmune diseases. So we're getting this abnormal adjuvant shoved into our bodies. Now, what's the adjuvant? The mercury. Okay. The aluminum, which, you know, they said they've made our vaccination safer by getting rid of the mercury, but they've just upped the aluminum, which is a horrible toxin to the brain and also causes breast cancer, which of course is, you know, my big issue with, you know, my forte. Well, we have a series of previous podcasts here on cancer, especially breast cancer. Well, that's how we started our podcast with melting breast lumps. So anyway, so that's how you can get an autoimmune disease to your brain. Also, you can to your skin. A lot of these kids that have, you know, massive gut dysbiosis, they have eczema and psoriasis psoriasis and and they can get an autoimmunity to their own skin which is really really awful and uh, the book vaccines how they wreck human immunity at amazon.com that we've put up there talks about t-cells and Mm b-cells t-cell is what happens when you run across somebody that's sick and the t-cell immunity begins and the it's it's the immune response that makes you sick you're going to be sick for anywhere from 10 to 14 days in some cases, less than that in others, depending on the strength of your immune system. But it's how the T cell responds to the presence of this antigen that causes the B cells to make antibodies. Antibodies, mm-hmm. Exactly. And you have a lifetime immunity. Which gives you lifetime immunity. Yeah. And so the whole idea behind vaccines is to bypass the cell-mediate portion, go straight to the humoral mediated a portion or a portion of immunity and try to build antibodies without ever getting sick first. Because yeah. as we point out there in podcast 32, what parents going to take their kid to get vaccines if the vaccine is going to make them sick? Well, the sickness is showing up and it's delayed and it's called autoimmune. Yeah. Or nervous system disorders with Gardasil, which is autoimmune too. So, you know, there's three things with with vaccinations. We can just kind of wrap it up with these things. One is, do they work? And, you know, we can show they work a little bit, but you have to get boosters. And actually, the, the diseases we were vaccinated for were almost gone before the vaccination showed up. For example, polio. Yeah. The first polio vaccine showed up in 1954. The last polio epidemic to pass through the country was in 53 Mm -hmm. and then it was over with Mm -hmm. and then the cases of polio were dropping through the floor because there weren't any yeah and then they suddenly had the vaccine so you know that's a point you know do they work and we talked about last time these young 20 year old parents now have no idea what a little bump in the road chickenpox can be oh yeah you know, Nobody dies of chicken and pox. and mumps and measles and all those things. But uh, the second is about the excipients, the adjuvants, the mercury and the formaldehyde, the aluminum, et cetera, et cetera, which went across in those. Those are all neurotoxins. Meaning they're poisons to the nervous system. Yeah, there's that. And what's your brain? Oh, nerves. 
I mean, that's your, that, that's everything, everything. I mean, what, what, what mother would want to damage her child's brain? I you mean, know, the, you break a bone, it heals. You get a laceration, get a few stitches, it heals. Yeah. But you go to the source of life, the brain. And you damage that. And you damage that and they don't repair. Or if they do, they take a long, long time. And when they miss those milestones as little kids. Well, that's the important thing you pointed out earlier with these milestones. These developmental societal milestones. The first step, first words, Mm -hmm. first hug, first kiss. And they have to be in order. Yes. I mean, you have to learn to crawl before you walk. It's very important to get that coordination. And my family did a whole bunch of this when I was younger. Um, you know, I wish I'd known what I know now. I know it's just a lot of gut dysbiosis and maybe neurotoxins from all the vaccines we got, but they would literally go back and learn to crawl, some of my family members, because they missed it when they were young. And so they did it and it worked just fine? Well, they were trying to get their left and right brains working better. I don't know that it had that much effect. Maybe. I don't know. There were so many kids in my family. We were lucky, you know, to eat. <laughs> so, and the third one is the one that we're most concerned about is the changing of your immune system. And yes. that's where the autoimmunity comes in. So, um, we can't tell you not to get in vaccination, nor do we really want to. We just want to inform you about what's, what's going to happen. You, you are not told that these things are putting in your body is, Oh, by the way, that's a neurotoxin. And Oh, by the way, this is going to turn your child's immune system upside down and inside out. But if that's okay. But if that's okay, then go ahead and do it. So, you know, the, the things you have to think about is the efficacy of the vaccine versus the known risks and injecting your child with these neurotoxins and immune-shifting drugs. Yes. Immune-shifting okay? is a good the, word. And there's not a question as to whether this is going to happen. It does happen. Okay. It may not rise to the level of a big disease or whatever, but you can't repeatedly vaccinate somebody and not ex- expect a change in their immune system. Just and that's like, what I, that study that's that study. I started off with. Yeah. So given that, you just have to decide which makes more sense to you. I mean, if there's a decision to ask yourself, you can say, I know that giving my child this chickenpox vaccination of all the stupid things will shift them more towards allergies more towards autoimmune diseases, even cancer, and other forms of diseases. I know it will create neurotoxicity in them, but I'm not willing to live with the chance of them getting chickenpox. Okay? So if you could say that to a parent, if the forbidden doctor could educate the world with this and say, hey, just so you know, it will shift your your body to have immune diseases, autoimmune, the biggest of them. But I'm, you know, but if you're just not willing to live with the measles or the chicken pox, the polio's gone, everybody throws that in, you know, then get the vaccine. What I don't like is where they say they're safe, there's no downside, they work. I mean, that's a fairy tale. That's a fairy tale. Or it's a religion. So we do these things so that you can make an informed decision. Yeah. If you so want to do it, fine. Long but as people do have it, good information. Do it from a position where you have studied the effects of this stuff. Yeah. Now, we have a couple of bonus things here for you. Number one is Brandy Vaughn, who was a former Merck sales rep 
Do you all know what a Merck rep is? Merck is a pharmaceutical company that makes the vaccinations and many, many, many drugs. And she used to sell for them. She would go into doctor's office and sell for them. Okay. My first involvement with the farm pharmaceutical industry was as a pharmaceutical sales rep for Merck um, back when Vioxx was on the market. And when I, I used to rep Vioxx for Merck, and when it came out that Merck had falsified safety data, and Vioxx actually had twice the increase in heart attacks and strokes, people taking it, um, it really made me realize that there was a lot of corruption behind the scenes and that just because something is on the market, a drug is on the market, doesn't mean it's safe. So after working for Merck, I was pretty disillusioned over the whole scandal, and I, I lived in Europe for eight years, and I had my son over there, and I brought him back uh, vaccine-free vaccine at six months to San Francisco, and when I went to a well visit, I, they pushed for vaccines. And at that point, I hadn't done a lot of research in it, but I knew enough not to trust pharmaceutical drugs. And I asked to see a vaccine insert. And the doctor got very upset at me and claimed I didn't trust him. And he stormed out of the room. And the nurse let me know that I wasn't really welcome back in that clinic anymore. Good. And that was a huge red flag for me, knowing what I knew from being a pharmaceutical sales rep uh, before. And I started to do my research into vaccines and the ingredients and the flawed safety data. And what came to light was um, many things, but one of them was that aluminum is the main adjuvant in vaccines, in childhood vaccines. And I had experience with that, with researching that and the toxicity of aluminum because my grandmother had breast cancer and the doctor biopsied her tissues and there were high levels of aluminum. And he told us that she needed to get off traditional deodorant and that, that the aluminum in there was linked to breast cancer. It was carcinogenic. So that was a big red flag for me when I realized those were uh, in childhood vaccines and I, I, I couldn't believe it actually. Um, and then I started to do more and more research, and I realized that the U.S. gives twice as many vaccines on the childhood schedule than most developed countries. And the real health crisis is the fact that our kids are sicker than any other country in the developed world. And this is despite spending uh, more per capita on health care. So we have highest rates of SIDS, um, asthma, food allergies, ADHD, childhood leukemia, diabetes, type 1. And this, to me, was the true health crisis. So the more I dug into this, what I realized was vaccines are not uh, for public health. It's really about profit, pharmaceutical company profit. And the thing about vaccines is that you don't have to do the same rigorous safety studies as you do for other pharmaceutical drugs because they're classified as a public health measure versus a pharma drug. So for vaccines, uh, they have a totally different uh, type of safety study. It's very short in duration. It's not double-blind, placebo-based, which is the gold standard for pharmaceutical drugs. And vaccines aren't, aren't held to the same rigorous safety studies. So if you look into them, it's very easy to manipulate the data and present that as, um, as something that's safe. But if you really look into the studies and look into the toxicity of the adjuvants and the additives, you realize that the safety studies are not proving safety at all. In fact, there are a lot of studies on the other side showing that a lot of the additives in vaccines are very toxic 
especially to children who have very immature immune systems. So as I dug more into the safety studies and um, saw how flawed they were, it really raised a red flag for me. And my son is now four and a half, and he's vaccine-free. And I really got um, motivated to get more into this fight when I realized the mandatory vaccination bills that were sweeping the country, over 138 states. And it's clear to me that it's, it's definitely about profit over public health. And one of the things that I know um, is that a lot of pharmaceutical companies have lost um, blockbuster drugs. They've lost their patent recently in the last few years. So they're looking to make up their profit. And vaccines, because they have less safety studies, less rigorous, so therefore a lot less expensive to do and a lot less hurdles to get onto the market, um, coupled with the fact that um, pharmaceutical companies don't have any liability for vaccines. In fact, the only product in the U.S. that has no liability. So you cannot sue them if there's injury or death. So you put those two things together, and what you have is vaccines as a pharmaceutical drug with the highest profit margin available. And if you make those mandatory and you keep increasing the schedule, um, it's basically using our children to profit off of. What a racket. And the pharmaceutical company is using vaccines um, as a new driver for profit. And this is really what's behind the mandatory vaccination bills. So one of the things that I'm often asked is, why do we not hear about this if you know this is true? And um, one of the things that I've found out in my research is that the US is one of only two countries in the world that allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise directly to consumers. And I'm sure we've all seen the media and advertisements um, for the pharmaceutical drugs. And what happens there is that it allows pharmaceutical companies to um, to basically dictate what is shown to the media. Because when you are when you give the media 30 to 40 percent of their advertising dollars, you basically control what they say. Mm. And there have been a lot of journalists and um, and stories that have been censored including the CDC whistleblower that came out in the end of 2014, basically saying that the CDC has covered up data um, showing that the MMR vaccine does, in fact, cause neurological damage, a.k.a. autism. And recently, there have been a lot of stories of different countries suing uh, vaccine makers for injury and death, and even pulling vaccines off of the schedule, like Gardasil in Japan and Prevnar in China, rotavirus vaccine in France, and Spain has um, a lawsuit against uh, Merck for Gardasil as well. Mm-hmm. Pharmaceutical companies spend $18 billion annually marketing t- uh, directly to consumers, so through mainstream media. Yet they spend six times that marketing to doctors through healthcare, health insurance plans, through educational conferences, through materials, through um through studies that are published in medical journals, all of these types of things. And what it really comes down to is that we have vaccines that have no liability for the manufacturers, very uh, little safety data to say that they are safe and effective, and we have a lot of marketing going out there. So we have a very broken system. Our vaccine system in the U.S. is broken. 
And we cannot mandate something when there are so many unanswered questions and so many things that are going on behind the scenes that people aren't aware of. But we did anyway. Including vaccine ingredients. Like when the pediatrician didn't want to show me the vaccine insert, well, there's probably, I mean, there's good reason for that. There's aluminum, formaldehyde, um, fetal cells, animal cells. There are a lot of things in there that other countries, A, ban from being um, ingested and therefore have vaccines that don't include these ingredients, and B, have unknown consequences that we really, we have no data on right now. And so it's basically playing Russian roulette with our children. And, you know, pharma is saying, oh, it's all about public health and public safety. And I'm saying, hey, why don't we have more data on what this really will do, long-term studies on what this is doing, in, you know, inside of our bodies and to our children? Because right now we have the um, sickest children in the developed world. Something is going on here. It's probably not just vaccines. It's a chemical cocktail of, of pesticides and pollutants in our water and air. But vaccines are often a trigger because genetically um, we need a trigger to um, express these kinds of diseases and issues that we have. And vaccines are often what does that because the chemicals are injected into our bloodstream and so they don't go through a lot of the natural, the body's natural detox process. Um, they go straight to the brain, through the, um, past the blood-brain barrier. And we need to ask these difficult questions. And until that, until we have more information, we absolutely cannot mandate vaccines. There has to be a choice. Already done. If there's a risk, there has to be a choice. But it's already done. What's already done? They're already mandated. Oh, Cal- in California. California. Yeah, if yeah, you if biggest... you if your children are going to public school in California, they have to be vaccinated. Yeah, isn't California like the if if it was a country, it'd be the third, sixth, the sixth as the sixth largest economy in the world. Yeah. If it was a country, it would be ranked sixth. Yeah, and that's California. It's going to blow over all the other states like wind, leaves well, in the wind. It's very interesting the rapid number, growing number of homeschoolers in California now. Yeah, I know. Parents are pulling their kids know, out of public school. I, I was came home early the other day, and our son, and my our son Rourke and I were watching. I think it was the debates. I don't know. It was. It came on before you got home, and they had this commercial for Gardasil. It had a. It was. A, it wasn't actually a commercial. It was a whole story on on KSL, on on the um, dangers on the on on Gardasil, and they had this woman talking. She. She was she was crying. She was like, "If I if I could do anything to save my child from cancer, I will do it." And then they oh, showed. Oh, it was a pro Gardasil. It was pro Gardasil. Oh, oh. And and she was saying, she says, "I've had cancer," and I am not exaggerating. She was crying, and you know, you just pulled at your heartstrings, and you show this little four. No, it wasn't fourteen. Ten or eleven year old boy getting shot in the arm. A boy for Gardasil, because apparently it stops supposedly esophageal cancer yes. and some other... Oh, yeah. any Anything to sell it to the boys. Yeah, I could not believe it. And she's crying about this. I would do anything. Well, does she know it's a neurotoxin? No. Yeah, it has the highest aluminum in it. I mean, we should never be putting anything in our child's body that, that isn't 100% safe. I mean, I remember the high fructose corn syrup commercials where they would say, oh, it's just corn. You don't see those commercials anymore. No, they're pretty well gone. Yeah. And breakfast cereal as a whole. I mean, one of the worst foods on this 
planet is breakfast cereal. Well, but parents don't think twice about, no. you know, they want to give them what they want. But it's, you know, it's not high fructose corn syrup. Of course, that's probably in breakfast cereal now, too. And then also the hand wipe things, you know, the um, the squirt, the bacterial, oh, yeah. antibacterial Everywhere soaps, you go. They used to be everywhere you go. They're not so much anymore. They're, you know, you're right. Yeah, they're not pushed like they used to you're be. You're right. Yeah, those are terrible things. They're killing all the weak bugs. They're not killing the strong bugs. The weak bugs, it's like taking an antibiotic for three or four days and not doing the whole schedule because it kills off all the weak ones in the beginning and then it finally gets to the really, the ones that are protecting <laughs> and, and then it gets to the really nasty bug at the end. That's why you don't stop antibiotics in the middle. You go through the whole thing if you're going to, but make sure you take probiotics as you're doing it. I mean, four probiotics to one antibiotic as you're taking these, you know, to help you down the road. But you may waste again the probiotics, but oh well, you know, give yourself some protection in there and then really pound them after you're done with the antibiotic. So here's another one. This is called the best explanation of the vaccine slash autism connection we've ever heard. And um, it's um, not too long, but it's just a few minutes. It gets pretty technical. It does, but we'll stop it when it gets there and explain a couple things, and then we'll let it go to the end and then explain the whole thing. Hold on. Another uh, component of, of autism, uh, at least that it's an argument anyway, is uh, vaccines. Um, you know, kids these days are getting multiple times more than, you know, when I was a child. Uh, is this making us healthier uh, more protected, or what is it actually doing? With no, these I mean, doses? I really think we've way overdone it on the vaccines. It, it's funny how we managed to program people to believe so thoroughly that vaccines are awesome, you know? This is Dr. Stephanie Seneff. She has her PhD, she's an MIT graduate, it looks like. Anyway, she's really a brilliant lady. Hold, I'll turn it back on. This was all set up with the polio and the smallpox, you know. We said, oh, yes, of course, vaccines are wonderful. When can I get a vaccine for this? You know, give me a vaccine that will fix this problem. We've got that entire mentality, which is amazing to me because the vaccines are full of toxic chemicals. And certainly I looked at the vaccines first, and I, and I, and I have a, there's a great database, the VARS database, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Very, very interesting. And I've looked at it. I mean, I'm a computer scientist, so I can go, you know, look at the number crunching, looking at the words and what statistical distributions and whatnot. You can find a lot of things out from looking at VARs. And, um, and one thing really striking is MMR. MMR is the vaccine measles, mumps, and rubella. And Andrew Wakefield uh, connected that to autism way back when, like 1998, I guess. He had this paper yeah. in Lancet, uh, which was very interesting. And he had taken these certain cases of kids with autism and connected it to the MMR vaccine. And he had a whole theory. In fact, he was in, 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 uh, into the idea of the gut the gut-brain axis connection and disruption of the gut, even back then. So this is something that's been around as a theory for autism for a long time. And, um, and he targeted MMR, but he didn't really explain what is it in MMR that's causing this. And I was frustrated by that as well. I confirmed in my studies of the virus database that MMR is associated with autism. Um, and I wrote a paper on that, and I proposed at the time that possibly, and it was something somebody else had also proposed, which was that the acetaminophen that is given, uh, it was just to control the fever. Sure. Um, kids are often given that around the vaccine. I was actually told to give my child, is it Tylenol? Tylenol for fever. And I would give it to my child before I vaccinated them. So sad. 
<gasps> because I didn't want it to have a swelling, you sure. know. And so, and then listen to what she says. It makes me sick. And that can become toxic to certain kids who can't metabolize it properly. Well, so it turns out, only recently did I figure out the connection to glutamate with MMR. It's truly amazing because MMR is one of the few vaccines that contain glutamate. And what is glutamate? Glutamate is an amino acid that's necessary for several. It's one of the most important amino acids in the body. And she's going to explain the relationship between glutamate, magnesium, and glyphosate. Glyphosate. That is connected with genetically modified foods. And it's in Roundup. It's in Roundup. And, of course, glutamate is toxic to autistic kids because they don't have manganese. That's my theory, anyway. And so when you've got that extra glutamate directly injected in through the vaccine, uh, it goes to the brain because of the influence of the glyphosate. The glyphosate actually opens up barriers. It opens up the gut barrier and it opens up the brain barrier, which allows these things to get in. Now, you're always talking about the zonulin proteins that hold the enterocytes of the gut together. Mm -hmm. And remember, there's just a single cell wall between the outside world in our gut and our, the inside world of our bodies. There's just a single wall lining there mm -hmm. of cells. Uh, the proteins that are holding these cells together are the zonulin cells, yeah, the, the same zonulin makers. cells that make the barrier in the brain, and they hold these things together, and they're transport mechanisms for things across that barrier, mm -hmm. coming in, going out. And what she just said was that glyphosate destroys the zonulin proteins. Okay. So then what I've done only recently, and I haven't published this yet, but I looked at MMR before and after 2002. Uh, you can take like a group, all the vaccines before, all the vaccines after, uh, same vaccine, and just look at the, um, at the reports of the adverse reactions, look statistically at the numbers to see which ones are occurring out differently. They ought to all be the same because it's the same vaccine, sure. but they're not. And so it's very, very interesting because the vaccines, the, the events that occur, the, the reactions that occur after 2002, one of them is autism. It predicts autism statistically significantly when you compare after 2002 with before 2002. What this is saying is that now it, it's causal in autism, but then it wasn't in some sense, you know, or it's more causal in, in autism now than it was then. And, um, and it also predicts all these things having to do with the brain. Uh, you know, there's um, seizures and um, there's sort of shortness of breath and um, swelling of the face. I mean, all these things. So, you know, brain swelling is one of the things that's connected to autism. And so, um, so it's really strange that it's different before and after. And the reason for it, I think, is the glyphosate. So that the two are working synergistically together to cause harm because the glyphosate is depleting the manganese, which is causing the glutamate to be toxic. And the glyphosate is causing the, the uh, glutamate to go into the brain. Before 2002, uh, there's only one thing that's... Um, more prevalent before 2002, which is joint pain. So joint pain says it's not going to the brain, it's going to the joints, you know? So what she's saying here is that before 2002, one of the primary reactions that children would get to vaccinations is joint pain, indicating that the toxins, the poisons, the adjuvants, the excipients in the vaccine didn't get through the, the blood-brain barrier. Yeah. And it didn't seem to bother the lining of the gut all that much either. It went to the joints. There's that silent epidemic. Yes, it accumulated <laughs> in the joint. And all of a sudden, these kids are having autoimmune diseases against the joints. A rapid expansion here, you know, a couple of decades ago of rheumatoid arthritis in children. Yeah. Well, let's see. Do we want brain damage or joint damage? Brain damage or joint? You know. Then, when 
glyphosate showed up. And it's been around a while. Mm-hmm. And it's in the Roundup. And, and Roundup, everybody knows what Roundup is. It's something you go out there and you spray and the weeds will never grow back. But Roundup has been developed to a point now where they have Roundup ready for soybeans, Roundup ready for wheat, Roundup ready for corn, where these chemicals can be sprayed on these plants and kill everything else except that plant, which makes it a lot easier for the farmer. <laughs> But, but the glyphosate comes through the production of that food. And mm-hmm. remember, all, about 90% of all the corn out there is genetically modified. So 90% of the corn in the marketplace, corn chips, mm-hmm. uh, taco shells, uh, be careful of the popcorn. High fructose corn syrup. All these things that yeah. are corn-derived may have glyphosate. What glyphosate does is it binds the, the uh, manganese that lets the uh, glutamate get out of control because glutamate is in some of these vaccines. And so you have something that stops the control of the poisoning effect of some of these vaccines as far as glutamate's concerned. But the real insidious thing about glyphosate is it destroys the zonulin proteins and opens up the blood-brain barrier, and that's been present since 2002. That's why we've had an explosion of autism since 2002, because now it does go across the blood-brain barrier, these poisons. Before and after are known to be reactions to glutamate for people who have a sensitivity to glutamate. So it totally makes sense that it's the glutamate in the vaccine that's causing the problem, and that the glutamate is much more toxic now because of the glyphosate, so all of this is connecting up. And the same thing is true for the aluminum in the vaccines as well. And people have talked a lot about the mercury, and the mercury certainly sure. is an issue, and it's very toxic. I looked at the aluminum because um, that's the one that's gone up quite a bit. We have a lot of aluminum-containing vaccines now that we didn't have before. Why? Because people have demanded to take the mercury out of the vaccines. They want a safer vaccine. A green vaccine. A green vaccine. Baby. Green vaccine. So, so something that's they almost just, as neurotoxic as mercury is greatly increased in the vaccine to take the place of mercury. And why is this stuff in there? Do you remember? Do you guys remember out there in podcast land why it's in there? Because something has to be in there. Your body would ignore dead polio viruses or almost dead chickenpox viruses. And so they had to throw something in that so irritated the body, so jump-started that immune system, so it would see maybe those... To force it to make antibodies yeah. for that dead virus. Yeah. Talk about Frankenstein medicine. Yeah, like lightning coming down and bringing somebody back to life. Yeah, that's what that is. Lightning coming into your body yeah. saying, hey, come back to life. Build these antibodies. <laughs> Even though you haven't had the cell-mediated part first, you go ahead. Forget that step. Yeah, we're going to fool Mother Nature with this one. Yeah, that always works well. Okay. So that one fits with the what's going up in step with the autism increase. Lots more aluminum-containing vaccines. I mean, for example, even the HPV, which has just been introduced, Gardasil, they're giving that to these kids, teenagers. That's loaded with aluminum. And that's a very nasty vaccine. I've looked at that one, too, and it has much, much more severe reactions to that one than to other vaccines that these kids are getting. So it's a, it's a very uh, toxic vaccine um, and totally unnecessary in my opinion. And they probably, they can't even prove that it's actually doing what it's claiming to do because it's like 60 years later when you're going to get this mm-hmm. cervical cancer that it's supposedly protecting you from, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody would think it was a good idea to get that vaccine. 
and young girls' lives are being destroyed. People are they're yeah. dying, or they're getting some debilitating autoimmune disease. You know, KSL from that thought. vaccine. It's very clear from the data. So yeah, I think the the problem is there's synergy between the vaccine and the glyphosate. Uh, and I've looked at aluminum and glyphosate. Very very interesting because there's papers that show the glyphosate chelates aluminum just like it does all these other minerals. It ends up hiding the aluminum inside the glyphosate molecules. Mm which gets rid of the plus three charge. Aluminum has a very strong positive charge, which ordinarily would keep it in the gut, so it wouldn't get past the gut brain gut barrier. But with the cage around it, it becomes a neutral molecule. And furthermore, glyphosate has an effect like citrate that opens up the gut barrier. Now, what she's talking about when she says um, chelating this, mm-hmm. is what your body will do with minerals, yeah. minerals that come in on the food, is usually has been uh, chelated by the the, the plant, oh, okay. and so the plant has wrapped these minerals, mm-hmm. the things that are on the um, uh, periodic table. Starts off with hydrogen, goes to helium, lithium, and then goes through all the different things. Plants will put a shell around it so that the gut will recognize it as food and absorb it through the wall of the gut. And what she's saying here is what glyphosate does is it'll take this aluminum and chelate it. Otherwise, the aluminum would never get through the wall of the gut if the gut wall was healthy. Yeah, the enterocytes take those the enterocytes very would, would toxic reject things. it yeah. and get rid of it. But with glyphosate, it gets chelated, wrapped up in a special chemical shell, and it gets through the wall of the gut. It's just like, you know, the old castles of Europe. You know, you, you've got some secret password to get through a side door of the castle and the guard's not paying attention and the enemy gets in at night and does his damage. It's exactly what's going on here. And this is one of the problems with glyphosate. Yeah. And it's not a matter of if it will happen. It does happen. Yes. And that same effect will open up the brain barrier as well. So that the glyphosate is letting the aluminum pass, pass the gates from the gut into the blood, from the blood into the brain. And... Um, and the glyphosate is also bringing the aluminum to the pineal gland, which is outside of the blood-brain barrier. So that pineal gland is much more susceptible. People have studied um, the amount of aluminum in various parts of the brain. They find the pineal gland has twice as much as the other parts because of it being outside of the blood-brain barrier. So, um, but with the glyphosate, you get an increased delivery of the aluminum to the pineal gland, which ends up messing it up. And so... I've noted that there's uh, sleep disorder associated with so many of these neurological diseases. I mean, autism, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, depression, Parkinson's disease, uh, multiple sclerosis, all of these things are associated with sleep disorder. Pineal gland produces the uh, melatonin that controls the wake-sleep cycle. So when the pineal gland gets messed up, uh, you can't make enough melatonin, you can't sleep, and that's connected then to everything else. Furthermore, melatonin is a product of the shikimate pathway, which is the exact pathway that glyphosate disrupts. And I haven't gotten into that before here in this interview, but they, this is what Monsanto says, oh yeah, shikimate pathway, we don't have that pathway in our cells, so ha ha ha, glyphosate's harmless to us. But the problem is that our gut bacteria do have that pathway, they use it to make these essential amino acids that we can't make. And we can't make them because we don't have that pathway. We depend on our gut bacteria to provide those for us. Hmm. If they're exposed to glyphosate, they can't make it. And tryptophan is one of those really important molecules that's a precursor to melatonin and to serotonin 
antimelanin, which is what gets your skin dark when you're exposed to sunlight. So all of those are going to be deficient if you don't have enough tryptophan. And I think that's another key piece of the puzzle. Now, that was a little bit technical. I wish they'd run that but, after the Gardasil oh, yes. piece on KSL News. Absolutely. And just, well, just, you know, just have balanced news here, guys. We're going to run this doctor talking about how the Gardasil shot will let aluminum flood your brain. <laughs> and the, the connection of aluminum with breast cancer. No. So these girls that are getting, I think Gardasil comes in three injections. Yeah. Over a month or two or something like that. So the, so this mother's in tears, you know. About wanting her child to get this shot. Yeah. When, with no long-term studies, with all this aluminum they're getting, are, the, are we setting these girls up for breast cancer when they're in their 20s and 30s? Yeah, with the antiperspirants. You can't yes. even find an antiperspirant without for a aluminum in a normal grocery store. Of course yeah. you can. The guys do, but the girls don't. I, know. I I don't know why. It's so unfair. It's like there's a conspiracy yeah, I've, to the, the women to lose I've been their breasts. For years, no, there's no aluminum in it. it it doesn't say it right there on the ingredients. There's all kinds of deodorants for men without aluminum, but you can't find them for women unless you go to a health food store. Well, we just hit one hour. Okay. So let's wrap this up. I just want you to know that the number one area of medical research today is autoimmune diseases, completely unheard of 70 years ago. If Mary and I are wrong in our assertion here, then where are these autoimmune diseases coming from? And so for the few of you out there after hearing this podcast that absolutely have to vaccinate their children because either a spouse, you know, insists on it, it's going to cause a divorce, or we have people that um, go on missions for the LDS church that... Or other churches. Or other churches, too, that have to get vaccinated, or you just have to for some reason. We are going to give you a free handout with a protocol of three ingredients, three, three products that you need to take before, during, and after your vaccination. We actually have done this with patients um, that had to get them done, and not only did they space out their vaccinations, which is, which is better in my opinion too, but they took this product before, during, and after. And I did bioscans on them after. It did have some effect on the man, which is interesting. His scan looked worse. The woman's didn't look worse. See how nature protects women? Yes, and I think before, during, and after is critical here. So don't forget to download at the end of this podcast, we're calling it the Vaccination Protection Protocol, VPP. Good. For And it's, it's for free. It's the end of this podcast. Um, get the Vaccination Protection Protocol so that if you get a vaccine, you can lessen its damage. Yes, you or your children. Yeah. All right, good job. I like what we did there. Parts one, part two, part three. There was many, many things we didn't get time to cover, but I think we hit the highlights really, really well. I think so too. So if you're now gonna, you're informed, if you gotta spend an afternoon, yeah, <laughs> binge listen the Podcasts. series on vaccines, and remember, get this one page vaccination protection protocol so that if you have to get a vaccine, as Mary said, you can lessen its damage. Okay, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing. 
Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor Special Scientific Formula, our long-life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.